Hello and welcome to Bite Size Strategy, the podcast that provides you with less fluff and more stuff that you can actually use to grow your brand online. In every episode, we cut the banter, we get down to business, and we talk actionable tips and tricks for online marketing, copywriting, optimizing your website, and more. I'm your host, Ashley Kay, a web designer, digital strategist, and all-around nerd. If you would like to connect with me in between episodes, you can give me a follow on Instagram at BuildItAndBlossom or check out BuildItAndBlossom.com for more. Hello, friends. How are we doing today? I hope you guys can hear me well enough. Um, I'm still recording in my trusty closet recording space. It's very cramped in here. I'm still sitting in or on Big Joe. Um, And if you're not familiar, Big Joe is a beanbag chair who has lost his shape. So I'm really sunk down in here. And my back hurts. And Big Joe is not really conducive for, you know, back pain or healing back pain. So I'm sunk down in here. It's not very comfortable. I'm a ways away from the microphone. I hope you can hear me okay. If you can't, I am sorry. So I had a pretty good weekend. Um, I was finally able to kind of like relax and let loose for the first time in a while. Um, You might have like remembered me mentioning on the previous episode, I do offer marketing services for uh, a select amount of clients. So I've been pretty wrapped up in all of that for the past two weeks, you know, just like pushing these like holiday promos out and doing all that kind of stuff. So this past weekend, it kind of cooled down a little bit. I was finally able to let loose. I went out, I uh, got a meal in a real like indoor restaurant. (laughs) It's a big thing these days. Um, And then I also went on the hunt for a certain shade of nail polish. So you might have remembered in last uh, week's episode, I mentioned a brand called Hard Candy. And Hard Candy um, was a brand that was really popular in the 90s, and they were really... um, like well known for like this this like the shade of sky blue nail polish okay and I couldn't get hard candy and like that shade of nail polish off of my mind I've also like really been into like late 90s early 2000s things in general you know they're trending right now like all of the world seems to be into those types of things and I've also been going back and watching shows that were like of this era so in the year 2000 I was 10 years old but I was like a weird kid so (laughs) I watched Nick at Night and I was watching like reruns of the Brady Bunch and the Jeffersons and Gilligan's Island and Little House House on the Prairie. That was my favorite. And I wasn't watching the shows that like most kids my age were watching like on the WB or whatever. So for the past couple years, I've kind of been going back and watching them as an adult and it has been a wild ride. <laughs> so last, uh, last year I watched Gilmore Girls for the first time and I gotta say, I liked it a lot. 10 out of 10 stars. Highly recommend it. And now this year, like this fall in particular, I have been watching through Dawson's Creek. And I know it's a little bit cheesier than Gilmore Girls, but I got to say, I like it even more. (laughs) Okay. Highly recommend Dawson's Creek too. Um, And also, Pacey Witter, like best TV boyfriend ever. Okay. I will admit that I am not through the entire series yet. I'm only on season four, episode five. So maybe he does something unforgivable in the next couple of seasons. I don't know. Please don't spoil it for me. Um, but as of, you know, season four, episode five, whew, 
I like him a lot. <laughs> Maybe he could contact me. I'm tying that into today's episode. Today's episode is going to be about contact pages, but we aren't quite there yet because I have to tell you about my nail polish, okay? So my point is here, been really into early 2000s, late 90s things, been thinking about hard candy in this particular shade of sky blue nail polish, and I'm like, you know what? I need this in my life. Now, I don't even know if like hard candy is in business anymore. Um, if they are, I think they only sell products at Walmart now, and I don't live in close proximity of a Walmart, so that was out of the question. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe I can find something, like a shade um, that's similar you know, it's similar to that sky blue shade, um, but isn't hard candy. So I went down to the CVS. I spent quite some time in the nail polish aisle and I found this beautiful shade. Um, it's Sally Hansen. It's called Ozone You Didn't. Um, I found out later, by the way, that it is not a clean nail polish. And what that means is there are a few, um, questionable chemicals in it that may uh, be toxic. Um, it's on my nails now. I don't know. I, I can't help it. But anyway, this shade, um, it's called Ozone You Didn't. It's this beautiful like pastel periwinkle blue. So that's what I did with my weekend. <laughs> what did you do? Um, anyway, now, now that the weekend's over, I want to get down to business and I want to talk about your contact page on your website because it is important. Now, I know this sounds boring because a contact page, right? Like it's standard, you have to have it, but it's not any fun, you know, compared to all of the cool, unique content that you create, all of the other awesome pages that are like more unique and have like more meaningful like messages and copy and all of that. Um, compared to all of that, like the contact page, it just kind of seems like a throwaway checklist page, right? I feel you, but just think about how gosh dang important the contact page actually is on your website. It's how people contact you about your awesome offering. You know, maybe they have questions um, before they buy something from you, or maybe they're looking to work with you, and this is the first step in them reaching out. Or hey, maybe, maybe they've worked with you before and they're coming back because they have a new need that you can help them with. So whatever it is here, it's important to recognize that the contact page is an important stop on a lot of people's journey to buying whatever it is that you're offering and working with you and giving you money. So getting the contact page right or wrong can affect your pocketbook, right? It can. It, it totally can. And so it's really crucial to get this right because it can make a big difference in your business. So, so you know, I know it might seem boring, but you know what? Do it right. I just got to say that. So today we're going to be going through um, a few don'ts for your contact page and then some do's as well. So let's start with our first don't, okay? Don't forget to list your email address. Sounds obvious, right? <laughs> but how many websites have you been on that only have the contact form on their contact page? A lot. And that, that was probably rhetorical. I didn't need to answer that. But yeah, it is a lot. You know, there are a lot of um, contact pages that only have a form on them. And how frustrated do you get when this happens because you're just looking for a simple email address so you can email the company or the brand directly? 
Uh, there are a ton of reasons why people don't like using contact forms to communicate. So if you only have a contact form on your contact page and no email address, you can be losing out. So personally, like my biggest annoyance with contact forms is that once I send them, I pretty much have like no record of it, right? Like, I'm a forgetful person. I send a lot of emails. I receive a lot of emails. There's a lot going on um, in my day in general. So I really rely on, like, having, like, a paper trail, so to speak. I rely on being able to go back into my sent folder in my inbox to see what message I sent and when I send it and who I sent it to and what exactly I said. But with most contact forms on websites, there is no record on the sender's end to see what was sent, you know, or when it was sent. Like some companies, yeah, maybe they send you an automated thank you for your message email right after you submit the contact form. But very rarely does that include the full message. And then there's also times when like you as a customer contacting someone, you need to send something, but there's no space to include it via the contact form. So recently I had to contact a website uh, regarding a customer support related issue, and I wanted to attach images to better explain the problem I was having because, you know, a picture speaks a thousand words. Sometimes it's easier to do that and show someone something than try and describe it in text. Um, but most contact forms, of course, including the one that uh, I ran into, they don't allow images to be uploaded. And so that can be an instance where a general contact form isn't going to cut it because people can't upload those images that they desperately want to. And in addition to all of that, you know, some people are just kind of skeptical of forms in general, since it can be unclear where the info that they're asked to provide is being sent. So maybe, you know, they're worried that their email, their email address, it's going to be added to your marketing list against their will. You know, they didn't give you consent, but you're going to add it anyway. And that would be a huge no-no, by the way. But of course, there are some unethical companies out there that do this. And there are also even some really bad, like unethical companies who will not only add like your email address to their marketing list, but they'll sell your email address to someone else. And I actually had that happen recently. And I'm so mad because it's it's so wrong. It should not happen. And ugh, you know, so people have had experiences like these in the past. And so they're kind of like, you know, concerned yeah, some people just aren't going to use a contact form because of this. So a really simple fix, you know, because it really doesn't matter, you know, the reasoning here. You know, some people, plain and simple, they don't like contact forms. They aren't going to use them. The fix is to list your email address on your contact page for those people who want to contact you directly. And if it applies to your business, you can also add a phone number here for people to contact you directly um, that way. Our next don't is don't include too many fields in your contact form. So don't ask for, you know, someone's life story when they are just filling out your contact form on your website. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. Don't do that. Don't ask for the life story. 
Now, the number of fields your form has matters, okay? Because the more fields that you have, the less likely people are going to be to complete and actually send the form. And a lot of people are going to be viewing your website from uh, mobile devices too. And you know, it's like a real pain to fill out a super long form on a phone. As we just discussed, people are skeptical, especially when it comes to the amount of information that they share online. And I consider myself a pretty private person. And so if I am forced to include my phone number or sometimes even my last name, like I'm noping the heck out of there and I am not going to be sending that form unless I'm, you know, really into the brand or company, which to be honest these days is quite rare. You know, asking for a phone number, it seems intrusive a lot of times. Plus, a lot of people in the world are millennials and we hate phone calls. So like I, for one, I actively do what I can to avoid them. So there's no way like I'm going to willingly include my phone number on a form that may lead someone to actually gasp, call me like, no, thank you. Um, also remember that the contact page is general, right? There are a variety of reasons why an individual may need to contact you and you should basically treat it like it's a page for everyone. It's like multi-purpose. And some may disagree with me, but I always recommend a very general, like short and sweet contact form. I'm talking name, email, and message. Maybe a drop down with some choices for why someone is contacting you so they can select the subject, you know, um, and always remember to include other as a choice if you're doing that. But that's it, you guys, you know, name, email, message, short and sweet. Even if you are a service-based business and, you know, you're trying to get people to book your service or whatever it is, maybe you're a photographer, um, I don't recommend placing a long intake form or questionnaire on your contact page. Why? Because intake questions and forms like that, they don't apply to everyone who is going to be contacting you and they're going to turn people off. Okay, so if you're a photographer and like I come to your website and I want to contact you about giving you a free website design or some free marketing services or whatever it is. Um, and so I go to your contact page. I'm looking to get in touch with you, but all that's on that page is a form and it has a bunch of questions like, oh, when's your wedding? Um, you know, what venue is it going to be at? What's your, like, how many guests are you having? Like, if I'm forced to answer all of those questions, <laughs> I'm just kind of going to probably get irritated and not contact you altogether. And I'm not alone in that. You know, other people will be turned off and they won't contact you either um, if the questions like on the form don't apply to them. So keep that um, contact form on your contact page, short and sweet, very general. We're talking email address, name, and message. Okay? Okay. Another don't for you. Don't use the word submit for the submit button. And this is a little pro tip that I picked up years ago. And it's something that's always stuck with me. So I'm constantly like seeing it and like calling it out. But you want to avoid using the word submit on the button that users uh, click to send the form. So, you know, you're filling out that contact form. You got it ready to go. There's a button that you need to click in order to actually send it through. You don't want to use submit. Why? While the word submit has negative connotations. And even if like most of us don't look at the word submit on a button and visibly recoil, I do think it has the potential to affect us somewhere deep down. We probably aren't really aware of it, 
but it can make us feel like subconsciously icky. And, you know, maybe that's a load of malarkey. I don't know. It's just something I read and picked up once. Um, but even if it's not true, at best, submit, it's a neutral word, and it could easily be replaced with an option that better describes the action that the user is taking. So instead of submit, consider using send or send message. It's basically the same thing, but it's not so negative. All right, let's move on. We got a do for you. So do include some information about your office hours and or when they should receive a response back because people don't like the unknown, especially when they have a question that maybe is kind of urgent or pressing. And this is really a great way to cut down on those like, did you receive my message? Follow up emails and like DMs that people slide in with. <laughs> um, because, you know, we're all like small business owners. We're solopreneurs. We have limited time and resources. And if we have to sort through a bunch of DMs that are like, hey, did you see our message? Did you see our message? Hey, did you see this yet? I contacted you one hour ago. Like if we have to stop and look at that, that takes up time. And that's not good. Time is money, people. Time is money. So you can kind of combat that by just letting people know up front when they can expect to receive a response to their inquiry. Um, but I will say, if you do include your office hours and your average response time, try your dang hardest to actually adhere to these because it is not a good look when you say something like, oh yeah, like all inquiries are responded to within 24 hours and then the person doesn't like hear from you for a full week. That's not good. Don't do it. And we actually, you know, we talked about expectations versus reality in a previous episode. We talked about over-promising and under-delivering. And spoiler alert, if you didn't listen, you know, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good to over-promise and under-deliver. So don't do that when you are referring to your response time and how long it takes people or how long it takes you to get back to people. Um, and if you have like a busy week or maybe you're going to go on vacation or something, it's pretty easy to just like go in and edit the contact page text on your website. Just update it with your new response time and other info as well. And then you're ready to roll and people know what to expect. All right. And kind of on the same note, uh, do send an automated your message was received email. So this is another great way to cut down on those. Did you receive my message emails? Um, and you can just set up like an automated email that gets sent to the email address that submitted the form. So like, you know, say like five minutes after someone, or it could even be instantaneous. When someone submits a form, this um, automated email is triggered and they get this response from you. Not actually from you because it's automated, but they get a response from your email address or your brand that lets them know that their message was received and you're going to be looking at it shortly. Now, I will say not all websites are going to have this capability. It is possible on most WordPress contact form plugins to set this up. Um, if you use a program like Dubsado or Honeybook, that sort of thing to like add in your forms, it's usually possible with um, those programs as well. Um, something like this is not possible right now through Squarespace. Maybe that'll change in the future. But for a lot of um, services and website builders and stuff like that, you are able to set up an automated your message was received email. So if you do have this capability, um, I highly recommend 
you know, following through, setting this up, it can be a really nice touch point. You know, it's that extra something something that a lot of your competitors maybe aren't doing. And you can keep this email that goes out super short and sweet too. You can just let people know when you'll personally be responding to their message. If you're like more of a product-based business and people are likely going to be contacting you regarding a support issue, this can be a good place to link to your FAQ page or knowledge base or whatever it is to help people find the answer to their question without waiting around for like a personal response from you and people will be really appreciative of that too. All right, another do, do include your location even if it's just general. So for most of us, you know, we're home-based businesses. We have digital offices. We don't want no creepers, so there's no need to list our full address. You know, we aren't brick and mortar. We don't want weirdos showing up knocking at our front porch. We don't need to include that full address. But People in general just kind of like knowing where you're based in the world. And it can also help people better understand when to expect a response from you since you maybe aren't in their time zone. Now, I will say, I don't know why, but some people don't seem to have like the understanding that people exist outside of their time zone. That's always been really weird to me. I think it's because like for the past like half decade, I have been two hours behind, like, most of my friends and family who live, you know, in a different part of the country. Um, but yeah, like, people do exist out of your time zone, guys. People are doing business at other hours of the day. And so if someone, like, goes to your contact page and they see, like, oh, this person's on the West Coast. They're in Seattle. I'm in Miami. It's 8 a.m. right now. I'm looking for a response, but I recognize that they're in Seattle and it's actually four in the morning their time. So you know what? I'm not going to expect a response from them for a few more hours. Something like that. You know, it can be really helpful to kind of like get that out there um, and, and address that by having your location on your contact page. Um, and then with the time zone thing too, also, uh, remember to include your time zone if you're listing your office hours so people know, because obviously if I have on my contact page something general, like, oh, I'm in an office, you know, five to 8 PM. I mean, that's going to be different for everyone. You know, we're living in a global world, baby. So you got to include that time zone and also include your general location. So people kind of know where you are. Another do, and I kind of mentioned an FAQ section already, um, but you can like include an FAQ section on your contact page or link to it on the contact page. And whether you're a product or service-based business, this can be helpful. Can you hear that noise? That is my neighbor. I have been waiting for this to happen. Um, Tangent here. Um, I have been worried about this from like episode one. I record in my closet, which is in my bedroom above someone else's garage. They open their garage and it is very loud. Um, But of course, I can't control when they choose to open their garage. And I've been waiting for them to do it while I'm recording. And they just did it. So I'm curious to play this back and see how loud it actually is. Maybe it's not loud at all and I don't even need to address it. Let's sit here and wait till they close it. So if it is loud, we don't have to hear it again on the recording. Sometimes they take forever. Like, how long does it take you to get out of your car? Oh my gosh, come on. 
Oh, and if we're really lucky, we'll also hear uh, the back gate slam, too. That'll be great. Okay, it's seriously been like three minutes and they haven't closed it again yet, so I'm just going to continue on. So our do here. Do include a FAQ section or link to it. So whether you're a product or service-based business, this can be really helpful. If you're a product-based business, it is really like nice to include a link uh, to your help or knowledge base page or whatever you have set up in case someone missed the link that you have to it in your like navigation bar um, or wherever you have it linked. Um, if you get like a super common support question that people ask all of the time, you can even address it big and bold right there on your contact page. So for example, you know, like last year here in the U.S. in 2020, the U.S. Postal Service was extremely crippled, and this led to a ton of delays in package delivery. And since a lot of businesses were getting this, you know, where's my package emails, like all the time, all these inquiries about where people's packages were, um, some websites, some brands, they added a disclaimer of sorts right there on the contact page informing people that, you know, the USPS was behind and packages were frequently arriving up to two weeks late. So they were able to get ahead of this, like, common inquiry by putting something there on the contact page. Now, I will say not everyone um, is good at reading. Not everyone is going to see that. Some people are still going to um, contact you about their missing package anyway, but it can be effective to at least kind of limit um, messages like these. Um, if you're a service-based business, I would think about some questions that people may naturally have for you when they are on the fence, maybe, about reaching out to work with you. Um, and I've, I've learned a lot from analyzing heat maps and screen recordings. And one of the top FAQ questions that people like click into and read, it has to do with price. So if there's a question that says something like, oh, like how much does a consultation cost? Um, those are the most popular types of questions for most brands and websites. Now, I will say, you know, whether or not you want to list your pricing on your website, uh, that's, you know, debatable. And that's uh, that's up to you. And that is also a topic for a whole um, other episode. I'm just giving you the info here so you can choose what you want to do with this info. Okay. But um, yeah, do get ahead of people's inquiries by including a link to the FAQ page or FAQ section right there on the page or something of the sort, okay? All right, our next do is about social media channels. Do link to them. So it's totally fine to link your social media profiles on your contact page. If you do end up listing them here, make sure they are actually active, okay? I could honestly learn from myself on this one because I am really not a fan of doing social media for myself, and I have um, admittedly neglected my uh, social media profiles in the past. Um, but, you know, link to your socials here on your contact page, but if you have been dormant for a while or if you have, like, no content whatsoever on a certain social media profile, you can absolutely leave them off. No need to include them in that case. Um, it seems like common sense, but I see a lot of people, especially those who are just starting out, they will go out and they will register their, like, username or their handle on all social media, uh, like, pro 
places or platforms, I should say, that exist. And then they link all of them from their website, but, you know, maybe they have, like, a YouTube up, but they don't, like, end up uploading a YouTube video for, like, three years. (laughs) That happens. That honestly happens a lot. So only link to your active social media accounts from your contact page and from your website in general, really. And you can always go back and add more links in the future if you need to. All right, you guys, so that is a wrap. Hopefully this uh, gave you some inspiration to uh, build your contact page or at least put together a better contact page. These little things, they can really make a difference. So that's why we talked about them here today. You know, just adding a short FAQ section to the contact page, if you find that you're getting a lot of the same inquiries over and over, can lead to a giant boost in your productivity because you aren't spending so much time answering emails. So to recap, um, always remember to list your email address in addition to the form because not everyone likes or will use a contact form. Contact forms can be a lot for people. (laughs) So remember, keep it simple. Only include the fields you absolutely need to respond to their request. And instead of having the button read submit, you can change the words on it to send or send message or something else that doesn't have the negative connotation like the word submit does. On your contact page, consider including your office hours, your active social media profiles, your general location, your time zone, as well as average response time so people know when they can expect to hear back from you. If the platform that you're using allows it, you can set up an autoresponder so anyone who sends in a contact form will get an email back right away. It's a nice extra touch and you only have to set it up once and then it is going to trigger automatically anytime someone sends in that form. And you can use that email, that automated email that goes out, to link to some FAQ or a help or support page. But of course, you can also add those things on the contact page itself too. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Bite Size Strategy and allowing me to hit you with these brand building tips and also five minutes of me talking about nail polish. If you're hungry for more snackable bites, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. And you can also visit builditandblossom.com for more content like this. And that's a wrap. I will see you next week.